0: Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. So I, I, um, I was once talking with this young woman about God. Um, she had been raised um, in a Christian home. Or she had gone to a Christian school. Um, and uh, her experience of God had been very negative. Um, and she said she didn't believe in God, but I think it was probably more accurate that she just didn't like him. Um, and the main, the, the main way she experienced God was rules and guilt and shame. Um, so there's all this anger that she had connected to God. So over the course of several meetings, we had like all these conversations about God and you know who He is and what He's like, um, and how you know we were talking about how she pictured God. Um, and uh, one of those meetings, uh, you know, when we were talking uh, about about all her thoughts about God, and I was trying to say, I don't, I don't think that's who God is, or I don't think that's what He's like. He is the greatest good. That statement was so offensive to her. Uh, I, I wish that I could, uh, in, in the moment, I wish I could have took it back. Uh, it was so offensive. Her experience of God had been so negative that the idea of God being the best thing or the greatest thing was, was incomprehensible to her. Like I, After I made this statement, there was no getting her back, you know, we we ended up kind of trailing off. We stopped meeting. Um, it, 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 was, it was like I said to, to her, you know, like uh, Hitler was a good man and she was like a Holocaust survivor. I mean, she thought it was so repulsive. Um, that. Yeah, so, and obviously, so many, people, um, so many people have experienced God like that, um, you know, the same way this young lady has. Um, it, it, when Jesus was on earth, he interacted with lots of people who had an experience like that. Um, and for them, they would have said, God doesn't exist, or if he does exist, he doesn't care about me. Um, so to that group of people, to a group of people like that, Jesus says, come close to me. Come close to me. And he says this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they, um, they will be comforted. That hadn't been their experience, of course. That hadn't been their experience. Um, they had been mourning. Um, but they hadn't been comforted, and uh, God seemed to either not care or he seemed to be blessing lots of other people um, who seemed to be getting what they wanted out of life, but but not them. So Jesus shows up and begins to teaching, you know, teaching this idea that that's not quite right. That the people you you looking at other people and thinking that oh they're the ones who are blessed and I'm not blessed. He's saying that's 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 not accurate. Um, that's not right. He's teaching a different he's. When Jesus shows up, he's teaching something so different than all the people were used to that people were thinking that maybe he's trying to get rid of all the old words that, that we, you know, we've known from the Old Testament or them. And so Jesus says this, he says, "Hey, listen, don't think that I've come to destroy the law of Moses or the teachings of the prophets. I have not come to destroy their teachings, but to give full meaning to them." A person should obey every command in the law, even one that does not seem important. So author and professor Jonathan Pennington talks about how when we read this, we think of lawyers and judges and court cases. When we read the word law, that's what, you know, those, are, those are the kind of things that come to my mind. You think of um, police officers and enforcing the law. When you get pulled over by the police officer, you don't, you're not thinking, oh, he's pulling, he just wants to see how I'm doing. You're thinking, oh, this is, I've done something wrong, I didn't notice, or you know, whatever. Um, so you're being pulled over to be punished. When, when I think of the word law, these are the kind of things that come to my mind. I think of, you know, Rules and courts and things that are you know normally unpleasant. But when the Lord Jesus uses the word law, he doesn't he doesn't just mean rules. Um, he means so much more than that. Uh, and and if we think he just means rules, then you and I we haven't gone far enough into what he's actually saying, he means so much more. So some of you remember that in the Old Testament, the first section of the Bible, um, the law and the commands, are, they come in the context of a covenant relationship that God's introducing. Um, he says, come close to me. And he introduces him to all these, all these rules and all these laws, but it's, it's, it's in the context of a of relationship. So if we think, he, he, would, he would say, if you think I just mean rules and guilt, then you haven't gone far enough into what I'm saying to you. It's far better than that. It's way more than that. Jesus says, don't think that I've come to destroy that. Why would I want to destroy that? I haven't come to destroy it. I've come to fulfill it, to bring it all the way to its fullest, the best version of it. The law commands are not at the center of what Jesus is talking about. He is. And certainly. Certainly, there are commands, and there are rules. every relationship has commands and rules or things that we do in them, but those't those, those, those don 't take center stage. I mean, it, it, maybe it would help for you to think of it like this so think, think of it like this: Imagine you are single and you 're looking for a serious romantic relationship, and um, you 're introduced to this person who's attractive and funny, and responsible, you know, they got, they're holding up this great job, they're a Jesus follower, they love the Lord, you're super into that, you're just, this is great, and after dating this person for like six months, you think, this has got to be it, this is it, you're super excited, um, and then she or she or he uh, slips up, and you find out they're a crackhead, <laughs> like they're, they're a crack addict and they had been hiding it from you. Been able, been, they had been able to swear it off. they have been like, oh, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm finally, I'm off the, I'm, I'm. and they promise. They promise you. You say, this is my, I, I just, I, I had it all together. I just slipped up this one time. You would say, okay, oh, I'll give you another chance. And then it happens again. You now at that point, if you have friends and family who love you, they will pull you aside and be like, No, I mean you, you. can't. You can't marry someone like this. You can, I mean, but if you and again, this is this is you know you've seen this happen. If you were in love with them, then you would be like, oh no, no, we can we can make it work, and love will conquer all, and things like that. So if you were going to make the decision to do that, that would be on you, and that that's you know, I'm, <laughs> but there would have to be some rules, right? There would have to be some guidelines. There would have to be some boundaries. If you were going to go into a relationship like that and you were going to get married to that person, you would say, okay, let's do this. I forgive you. Let's go forward with this. But we're going to have to set up some, some, some guidelines or some boundaries or some rules. Maybe you would say, you know, these friends that you've been hanging out with, nope. They're done. Those friends are gone. Or maybe you would say, um, we're not going to have substances in our house. We're no marijuana, no alcohol. We're not going to do anything like." Or, or maybe you would, maybe you would say, you know, I'm going to be the bookkeeper. And so I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll keep track of all the spending. And so it, whatever, whatever the rules would be, there would be rules. And the rules wouldn't be the point of the relationship. Right. The rules would be serving the relationship. The rules would be trying to protect the relationship. It would be trying to say, in order for us to have this relationship or for it to happen at all, we have to have these things because you're a drug addict. When God was rescuing Israel from slavery, he was saying, listen, I love you guys. But you're all sin addicts. All of you. And in order for this to work, there's going to have to be some rules. The things are going to continue. and Because if things continue the way they are, you're, you're going to destroy this relationship for sure, or destroy yourself. But if, if, if I can invite you into this, and I can lay out some rules about how things should go, things will go way better. So let me introduce you to this covenant. Let me introduce you to the law and the prophets. And again, if you, think this, if you think that was just an ethical conversation, then you have not gone far enough because that was the furthest thing. The rules serve the relationship. Jesus shows up and says, listen, when God said law, you guys heard rules. You guys heard commands. But you didn't go far enough. You didn't go far enough into what he was actually trying to say. What you, what you should have heard is relationship. What you should have heard is, I want you. And then he says, let me give you some examples of what I mean. You have heard it said, that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So when, when somebody, when a teacher at that time, when a teacher would start off, it was a common way for them to start off a, a teaching with, you have heard it said. And usually they would follow that up with, here's my new teaching about that, or here's my way of contradicting that idea. So it was just a, was just a form of teaching that lots of rabbis did, not just Jesus. They would say, you've heard it said, and then they would say, but I say this thing, this thing. This, this is what Jesus is doing. Jesus isn't setting himself up, though, as a contradiction to the law. He's setting himself up as a contradiction to the way that they approach the law. The way that you approach the law is short and shallow and small. I'm telling you, take it to its fulfillment all the way. I'm asking you to take it further. The problem the Pharisees and religious leaders and experts in the law had with commandments wasn't that they were taking them too far. It was that they didn't take them far enough their fulfillment, which is Jesus, and Jesus says, all right, let's fix that, let's fix that, let's fix that. So um, when you were a kid, did your parents ever force you to apologize to someone? And when you did, you were like, sorry, right? Right? You were still angry, Um, you said it through clenched teeth and balled up fists, and... Let me ask you this, Uh, think about this for real. Does that mean that your parents were wrong to make a rule that forced you to say, I'm sorry? Does that mean you, your parents make a rule and force you to say sorry against your will? Yeah, sorry. Was it wrong for them to do that? This week, my mom reminded me of a story. Um, when I was a kid, I was playing with my sister um, in this forested area, and it had uh, the, this forested area had some some apple trees in it. I don't really remember what I did. If you my sister ever comes, you can ask her. I'm sure she'll, she'll remember. Um, but I had gotten the best of her. And I ran away from her so she couldn't catch me. And I didn't, I didn't come back. She was steaming mad at me. <laughs> so mad. So when I came home, my sister and my dad are waiting for me in the driveway. And my dad was forcing us to apologize to each other. He's standing between us, so I'm walking up the driveway. I'm on this side, my dad, and then my sister, and my sister is standing behind him. And my dad says, "You guys, you know, you guys need to apologize." And so I was like, "Sorry, sucker," you know. I just, I didn't say that, but that's what I was. I, I, I had that. I'm, you know, too bad. Sorry. And she said sorry, but by the time that she said sorry. I was close enough to her where she, had, she revealed she had an apple that she had, and she threw it at me. It hit me right in the face, knocked my glasses off. I was vivid. I I swear to you, if my dad wasn't there, we might have killed each other because I was so mad, so mad. Here's my question. Was my dad wrong to force us to say sorry to each other? Clearly we didn't mean it. Was my dad wrong to force us to say sorry to each other? Is that the problem? Or is the problem that we took the command that he gave us and we didn't go far enough? We did what he said. I'm sorry. But we didn't take the command to its fulfillment. Jesus says to his audience, you've heard heard me say, don't murder. But you stopped there. Good for me, I didn't murder anyone. You've heard a rule, but I meant something greater than a rule. I meant a relation I meant a covenant, like what Ron was talking about when he's talking about communion, I meant that thing. When I gave that command, I meant something far more than you did, and you stopped way too early. So I say to you that everyone who's angry with a brother, he's going to be liable to judgment. So many people who heard Jesus say this, they would would immediately, they would have thought of Cain and Abel. If you've heard this story, so in this story, Cain offers a gift to God. God prefers Abel's gift. So both of them offer a gift to God, and God prefers Abel's Gift over Cain's. It's not super clear why that is or the exact reason why it is. People, we try to think about why it is, but listen to this. Listen to this. The Lord was pleased with Abel and his offering, but he wasn't pleased with Cain and his offering. So Cain became very angry and his face was sad. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why are you looking so sad? Do what is right, and then you will be accepted. If you don't do what is right, sin is waiting at your door to grab you. It desires to control you, but you must rule over it. And of course, you know, you know the story, Cain can't hold together and murders his brother. So when I, whenever I thought about this story before, before this message, whenever I thought about it, I always thought that when he's, God's talking to him, the sin that's crouching at his door is Murder. That's what he's talking about when they're approaching him. But when I got ready for this, is the only sin being talked about here murder? When God approaches Cain and he says, hey, listen, you know, something, sin's crushing at your door. Don't be angry. is, Is he only talking about murder when he approaches him? Or is he talking about something else? Something Everyone who heard this story, all of us who read this story, Cain's the bad guy in this story, of course. That, that Cain's actions are so monstrous that he would know, be categorized as a special kind of evil. Cain's a special kind of bad guy. He's the first murderer ever. Um, he's different from us. And that he would do it to his brother is, is egregious and shocking. And... So what Jesus is saying is that when I command you to not murder, it, it, it speaks to actually killing a person. Yes, but it also speaks to the monstrous, egregious, shocking things that are in you, that are in you right now, that, that would lead you to hold on to anger. Jesus can't be, and, he, and we should pause and just say this, Jesus can't be saying you can never be angry. He can't be saying that. Sometimes, sometimes when you're trying to understand what a Bible verse means, a good way to start with it is, this. Let's, let's start with what it can't be meaning. He can't be meaning never be angry. Um, anger happens to you automatically when we're hurt, so you, and you can't stop it. Jesus got angry. What Jesus is saying is that thing you do when you meditate, when you get mad at someone and you roll it over in your mind, you got to say it to everyone. And if you don't say it to everyone, you know you got to say it to yourself over and over and over again. When you think about that person, it, it, I'm, I'm sure I'm the only one who does this. When I think about that person, and any good thing they ever do, I'm like, pfft, and all the bad things they do, like I put on a poster and hold up, and the, look at how bad they are. They're so terrible. He's saying, when you do that, when you do that, you are in Danger. When you fight someone when you're in an argument with someone and you know they they're saying something good, and you you only focus on you only focus on that 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 time they misspoke. And one of the things I love about social media, I love about this, is like misspeak once on social media. One time. And everything else, anything else you've ever said about anything good is gone. <laughs> Gone. Do you do that? Do you ever do that? Jesus says, when you let your anger do that, you're in the same vein as murder. Which is, again, when you hear that, you're like, how can I be in the same vein as murder? Jesus says, trust me. Trust me. Because, and here's the thing, it's that kind of it's that kind of Christianity that makes it hard to believe people when we say something like, God is the greatest good. You're like, I, I've never seen that. Because the kind of Christianity that we know is the kind of Christianity that was, that's cool with, I didn't murder anybody. Not going to the fulfillment, fulfillment of what that whole thing is about. The religious leaders of Jesus' time would have been so proud of themselves for not murdering anyone. Jesus says, you've obeyed the rule, but you haven't gone far enough. So notice this. Notice this. I want you to think about this. Isn't it really easy to feel self-righteous when you haven't taken a command far enough? When you take the command in the first step, you're like, okay, well, I'm not doing that. Look at, wow, look at how. If you take it to the fulfillment, you won't feel as self righteous. Jesus would say, that's not far enough. So here, let me, I'll give you an example. At my, at my house, I always feel really self righteous when I say, I'm sorry. If, and again, if I say I'm sorry, I'm good, right? I'm sorry. We're good right now. We're good. Cool. We're cool, right? And if you bother, me, you bother me, what do you want? I said I'm sorry. Self-righteousness. What Jesus would say is this. Oh, dear, you said you're sorry. That's great. Not far enough, Right? You haven't gone far enough. You did something good. That's nice. You haven't murdered anyone and you said, I'm sorry. Good. But you haven't gone far enough. So when our parents used to say you know, to us as kids, you know, they say, say sorry. And we did it. You know, we did it sometimes. We didn't really mean it. They would say something else sometimes. Some, maybe some of your parents said this. They'd say, okay, now say it and really mean it. And again, obviously, as, we don't, we're not, we're, when you're a kid, you don't have the vocabulary to say, but you're like, what do you want from me? <laughs> right? What do you, you, like, we can force ourselves to, to mean it. You know? and, and again, if you were, as a kid, you, if you were a good actor, you might have been able to convince your parents, okay, good job. But if, I mean, some of us were like, if we were more articulate when we were kids, we might say something like this. Mom, Dad, um, I'm glad to say I'm sorry. But to have the kind of change in my heart that you're asking for, I, I can't do that right now. But if you give me some time, if you give me a minute, I might be able to go away, um, I don't know, meditate, pray about it, think about it, phone a friend, write it out, to, to, you know, to take credit for what I, you know, what I did. I, I might be able to, to, to think it through, take things to their fulfillment. I might need some time to do that. I might. I think that's what God was asking Cain to do. That's what Jesus is asking his followers to do. To go far in fulfilling the law and the prophets. Go far in fulfilling it. It's far harder to feel self-righteous when you're going, going to that place. It's so hard. It, it's, it's hard enough where self-righteousness goes away. And, but again, when you behave that way to people around you who, who, who have any idea about when you behave that way and somebody says to them, man, God's the greatest good, they're like, yeah, I know. I, I interacted with them and they went far and fulfilling. They went a long way. They went way past. Then you're out of the world. Then you're out of the world. This Jesus says this. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter a place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then, come back and work things out with God. Or say you're, all, you're on the street and an old enemy accosts you. Don't lose a minute. i want to read this again. and just Think about this for just a second. Think about what this is asking. And, and again, this won't be very hard to you to do. Bring up somebody you don't like. And think about your interaction with that person and what he's saying right here, right now. It's crazy talk. It's crazy talk. It is crazy talk. And when, when you know people who actually do this, you're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so let's pretend that you're actually going to do this. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter a place of worship and you're about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. Or, Or say you're on the street and the old enemy accosts you. Don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Make things right with him. I'm like, Jesus, how dare you ask me to make the first move? I hate that dude. Mm. Jesus, is this what you meant by do not murder? In a word, yes, yes. This is what I mean. Do not murder, but go further. Go further. Saying sorry like when we were kids. That's awesome. Do that. And then go further. Go further. So, once my wife and I were um, were at a gathering, and an old enemy was there. An old enemy was there, uh, and when I when, you know when I saw him, I mean again I don't know what she thought. When I saw him, I was like, oh my gosh! And I was thinking, how many I going get through the evening? Have interacting and trying to avoid this person. Um, so after being there for a little while, uh, my team and I were separated. And then uh, by the time we, I, we get back to our table for, for, the, for the meal part, um, she'd already talked with talk them. She already talked with them. Greeted them. She didn't lose a minute, made the first move, made things as right as they were going to be for, for that evening, for that night. And she was accosted by them. They just, she, but she, she was taking Jesus' command further. I wanted to avoid him, I was like, I think I can do it. <laughs> I think I could. I think I could go this whole day, taking it to its fulfillment in Jesus Himself. The theme of Jesus' ministry is reconciliation, and we're out of sync with Him, and we stop short of that in our lives. So, do not murder. If you've done that, then we, you need to repent of that. Say you're sorry. But further, keep going. Take things further. Make things right. The ministry, ministry of reconciliation. So when, when the people in your life um, experience that kind of mercy that kind of initiative taking, there is no way they won't feel the goodness of God. And when those those words are mentioned, they'll be like, oh yeah, I know what that looks like. I know what that's like. I saw one. So, who do you need to begin with? Who do you need to uh, go past an apology with? Maybe, so, again, in my house, I've, I, I got, my sorry has come freely. I'm sorry. Maybe they don't need to say here, I'm sorry anymore. Maybe they just need me to do something. So who do you begin with? This verse says, don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Make things right. Let's pray about that. I got a couple announcements I want to share with you, and then uh, we'll be done. Dear Father, uh, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't want to. I don't like it. I, it feels awkward and stupid, and I I just don't want to. And so I just pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, if there are others in our church body today who are like me and just don't want to, that you would uh, give us the power to do what we don't want to do, that you give us the power to say, All right, not my will be yours, be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.